just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast. Hopefully your day is going well. It's Wednesday. We're moving through the week. It's a busy one. There's a lot of shit going on. I want to thank Tony for joining me on the podcast yesterday. It's always exciting when we have a listener on the show, especially one we've never had before. And this was the first time for Tony. You really never know what to expect. I always expect it to be good, but it's always a bit of a surprise. And frankly, uh, the time Tony spent on the show was very fruitful. He's a very smart guy, very talkative guy, and it went very well. So I appreciate the fact that he took the time out that night to uh, step in and be on the podcast. It sounds like Tony had a good time too, so I'm sure he's going to be back at uh, some point in the not-too-distant future. But again, Tony, thanks for joining me on the Rational Boomer podcast. And again, that's open to anybody that listens. If you're a listener of this podcast and you feel like you'd be on the show and do what Tony did yesterday or some of the others have done in the past, you're more than welcome. All you have to do is email me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. We'll work out a time frame and we'll get it done. And I think you will be surprised how easy it is. That's the one thing every listener that comes on says. Two things they always say. They're nervous. They're not too sure what's going to happen. When it's all over, they say, that was pretty easy. That was fun. I promise you, if you come on, it will be fun. And you'll be glad you did it. All right. Now, I've been whining about uh, emails. I hadn't gotten a lot of emails as of late. And then I started whining about it. Now I got a whole shitload of emails. Some are short, some are long. And uh, there there are times when, you know, the email is just something saying nice about me or the show. And I had somebody ask me, why do you put those on there? You just need your ego stroked? And I thought, well, yeah, I do need my ego stroked, but that's not why I do it. The reason I do it is because if someone takes the time to write whatever they write, I'm putting it on the air. That's my commitment. So if they say nice things about me, I'll put it on. If they tell me I suck and the show sucks, I'll put that on too. Anybody who takes the time to write, unless they say otherwise, I'm putting it on the show. So fucking back off. (laughs) Anyway, we've got a lot of emails to get to, so let's do that. A bunch of short ones, some long ones, a lot of stuff with a lot of people having things to say. This first one comes from Rob. He says, "Uh, man, just wanted to send a quick email to tell you how much I love your content. Hope you never stop, man. Happy New Year. Hope 23 brings you the best, Rob. Yeah, I have no plan on stopping. Uh, I do this because I enjoy it. I was telling somebody this. Maybe I said it on the podcast, too. In your life, you always have a job, and you have to do it, and and you need to make money to put food on the table and keep the lights on and all that stuff. And while you're doing that, I know I was in this situation. I thought, you know, it would be nice just to be able to do what you want to do and not have to worry about the money. 
Now, the presumption would be that you could do whatever you wanted to do and get paid a lot of money for it. Well, that doesn't always work out. Certainly doesn't work out in this case. I'm not making a lot of money doing the podcast or the TikToks, but that's not why I do it. It's an opportunity to do what I really love, and I don't have to worry about the money. Not because I'm making money from this, but because, you know, I'm old, I'm retired, Social Security, pension, stuff like that. I'm fine for money. I don't have to be desperate and try to sell ads and do all that stuff with with this podcast and or TikTok. Uh, I get to do what I want to, the way I want to, and nobody can tell me how to do it differently. So I have no no plans to stop at all. Why would I want to stop doing the thing I love to do the most? Other than chasing my granddaughter. I like that a little bit better. Anyhow, the next email says, Mike, we the people are growing more frustrated by the minute. Can you speak to the DOJ? And might might you say where you think this investigation is going pertaining to the documents and the January 6th insurrection? Thanks. Love your point of view, James. You almost did it, James. You almost said that thing that pisses me off. I've told you that. No, but I, I appreciate you asking respectfully. I think a lot of people get frustrated about how slow things are going with the DOJ, Georgia, New York, and all this stuff. Everybody wants Donald Trump indicted today and put in jail today. I'm convinced that the day after Joe Biden was inaugurated into the office of the presidency, they expected Donald Trump to be in handcuffs and dragged away. Well, that was never going to happen. And as much as I agree, this is a slow process. I think you can feel comfortable that something's going to happen. You know, there'll be some people that say nothing's happened to Donald Trump. Nothing's ever going to happen. Well, that's not true. There's been a lot that's happened to Donald Trump. And if you were in his position, you would know that. First of all, the CFO of his company was indicted for fraud. Then his company, the Trump Organization, was indicted for fraud. Donald Trump has his hands on everything in his company. And now the Manhattan District, D.A. Alvin Bragg, is looking at indicting him. They got 17 convictions on his company. So they're starting to feel a little confident, and now they're going to wade into Donald Trump. Fonnie Willis, the uh, special grand jury just ended. They're going to provide a report, maybe even as early as tomorrow, and that report will give them decision of whether there's enough to indict. that point, they will go to the grand jury, the normal grand jury. They'll... Um, show the evidence and show the investigation. That won't take very long. And at that point, the final decision would be made whether to indict. And to be perfectly honest with you, if uh, Fonnie Willis has gone this far and put as much time into it and called as many witnesses as she has, like like um, Lindsey Graham and, 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 and um, uh, Giuliani, we know Giuliani is one of the targets because she told us that, there's going to be some indictments. And it's not just going to be Donald Trump in any of these investigations. There's a lot of people around Donald Trump that are just as culpable. And they're easier targets than a former president. So you can expect to see a lot of indictments. And they're coming pretty soon. I think the Georgia situation is not too far off. Maybe a month or so, we'll see some action. And then once it starts, it'll be like a fucking avalanche of indictments. Now, you bring up the DOJ, and the DOJ, 
uh, has taken quite a while. And they should get some heat by uh, because of the fact that they haven't really reacted very quickly. But again, you have to understand, when you're going to indict a former president, that is unprecedented. When that happens, this may be the largest criminal court case in the history of this country. So you have to make sure you have everything in order, your ducks in a row, if you will. And that's part of the reason why Merrick Garland hired Jack Smith. Jack Smith can focus on January 6th and the top secret documents. Merrick Garland has to deal with a lot of stuff as the attorney general for, um, uh, for the DOJ. So they got Jack Smith in. They pulled him in from The Hague overseas. They didn't bring Jack Smith over to not hand out indictments. He is kind of a hired gun, a hitman, if you will. The fact that they brought him in would suggest that there are going to be indictments. You know that he pulled in a bunch of documents and subpoenaed people involved in this fake elector thing. Uh, He's going after a lot of shit. He's going after stuff in Georgia. And recently, some people were suggesting that it looked like uh, we might be closer to indictments, maybe as close as two, three, four weeks, something like that. I think things are going to be happening shortly. The idea that nothing will ever happen is absolutely ridiculous. There's too much evidence out there in the real world that the people of this country can see. That puts too much pressure on the DOJ. They got to do something. They can't just slip this under the under the rug. They've got to address it. Because I'll be perfectly honest with you, they worry about the backlash should they ever indict a former president. At this point, all of that's gone on and all the evidence that's been exposed, there's going to be a far bigger backlash if Donald Trump is not indicted. And I know Merrick Garland feels this, and, and he brought in Jack Smith to take away any appearances of it being political, and he's successfully done that. I know you're impatient. I know you want it to happen tomorrow or yesterday, but you're going to have to be patient. We have to be big boys and girls here and uh, just wait for the treats, you know? Sometimes it's good to wait. And I'll be perfectly honest, if Merrick Garland and Jack Smith are going to indict Donald Trump, I want that motherfucker to stick. I don't want him to slip out somehow. And what we're seeing with the DOJ at this point I'm really troubled by the judicial system in this country. It seems to be a little toothless and a little slow and a little biased toward people who are wealthy or famous or have power. A lot of this stuff has to change. And one of the ways it's going to change is when it's exposed to the public, and we are seeing it now. Once we get through all these indictments, and it's going to be a shit show of of trials, I think there are people that are going to take up the, um, the reins and question what's going on with the DOJ, what's happening in Congress, and I think we may see some changes. That's one of the things about Donald Trump doing all the things he did. In one way, he did us a service. It's a painful service, but a service nonetheless. All these racists, misogynists, anti-Semites, insurrectionists, treasonists, They were always there. They were hidden under rocks, but Donald Trump brought them to the surface. 
Donald Trump also exposed some of the problems in, in, in the White House. They tell us that nobody's above the law, but clearly we found out that a president, sitting president, is above the law. There are these norms, and everybody assumed if you go over those norms, there's going to be trouble. Well, Donald Trump ran over every norm, and he got no trouble out of it at all. So that's weak. That has to be changed. That has to be adjusted. Our Supreme Court has been exposed for its bias and corruption. Our DOJ has been exposed for some bias or incompetence. There's a lot that needs to be fixed in this country. And we can hold Donald Trump responsible for the problems we have. But we also have to give him credit for exposing all this to us, the people. The people that can put the pressure on the people in power to fix these things. These were always problems. This has been going on for some time. It's not till just now that we found out about it. And now that we know, we've got to take action. All right, this next one comes from Terry. He says, hi, wanted to be part of the loop just in case. Just in case what, dude? And thank you so much for putting yourself out there and doing the hard work to summarize for the rest of us, Terry. Well, thank you very much, Terry. And I have to I'll be honest with you, it's not really that much hard work. It's something I like doing. I pay attention to the news. And when I sit down and do TikToks, I was telling some friends today I had lunch with, high school friends, old, old friends. And they say, I don't have time to do all that stuff on TikTok. And I go, dude, I don't spend that much time. Once I have an idea of certain topics with TikTok, if I know what I'm going to say, I can do three or four TikToks in a half hour. The podcast, I can sit down every night at about midnight, put an hour into recording TikTok, and then after that, maybe 15, 20 minutes editing it and putting it up and posting it. So, at worst case, every day, I've got two hours that I put into this. And I'm retired. It's not like I got anything else to do. Maybe go shopping, maybe cook, maybe go see my granddaughter. If I can carve out two hours a day, I can do a lot of shit. And it doesn't waste my whole day. If it took me 10 hours a day to do it, I wouldn't fucking do it. All right. Let's see here. Who is next? Tim. He says, hey, Mike, Tim Williams here. That's a pretty common name, so I don't feel funny about giving that name. Uh, You're 200,001 follower. Thank you. Since July this past year, I've had some health issues and had to have triple bypass, which turned turned my kidneys off, so I'm now sitting in dialysis. Past three months have been a lot more bearable as I listen to TikToks for about four hours, three times a week. I keep scouring for your content, which I do appreciate and agree with about 100% of your TikToks. Thank you. Today, I finally found out how to get on Spotify and get your podcast. Listen to my first one today, and I enjoy it thoroughly. I don't need a reply to this. I just wanted to let you know that I agree with you, what you talk about, and enjoy it thoroughly as it does keep me informed. Like a lot of others, I do not totally trust the news of any kind. Maybe the Young Turks, but that's another story. Maybe you can answer me a question. I know patience is a virtue. Many, many talk about it, but very few possess. I'm sure as you say that Trump will get his. My question would be about 
all the other guys and women in government that help with his insurrection. There's a thing in the Constitution that if you are, you can't hold office, how many Republicans are going to be kicked out of the House of Representatives? What do you think? Anyway, love your content. Thanks, Tim. Well, as I was talking about, that's the one thing you have to understand. This isn't all about Donald Trump. There's going to be a wholesale indictment sale on these fuckers. We're talking Mark Meadows. We're talking Rudy Giuliani, Roger Stone. We're talking about Steve Bannon. We're talking about sitting members of Congress like Gosar, like Marjorie Taylor Greene, maybe even Kevin McCarthy. There's a lot of people that will get indictments. Don't worry, they won't be forgotten unless they cut some kind of deal. And we know Mark Meadows may have cut a deal which would be a shame because if anybody needs to be put in prison, it's that corrupt motherfucker. But Donald Trump will get his indictment or indictments, more than likely. But there is going to be a lot of people around him that get indictments too. It is going to cause a flurry of activity and people are going to be screaming like stuck pigs. Don't you worry. There's going to be a lot of people indicted. In fact, some of those people may end up getting indicted before Donald Trump. You know, the thing is, when you indict somebody who's not at the top of the heap, you sometimes can cut a deal with them for a shorter jail time if they'll give away or throw under the bus the top guy, which would be Donald Trump. We saw it, and we'll talk about this in a a few minutes, um, with uh, Ellen Weisselberg, the CFO of the Trump Organization. He went off to jail today for five months, or yesterday for five months, and the only reason he didn't get 15 years is because he testified against the Trump Organization. We'll talk more about that later, but but, um, I think you'll be happy when you find out how many people are going to be indicted and what you're talking about is, is uh, in terms of expelling people from uh, Congress, that would be the 14th Amendment. Somebody's involved in an insurrection and you happen to hold a seat in Congress, you can be expelled. And uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that goes down with the Republicans slightly, with, with slightly a majority in the House of Representatives. Um, it may be harder for them to get expelled because the Republicans aren't going to do it. I mean, hell, George Santos is a fraud and a criminal, and he's under investigation, and they still won't throw him out. Part of the reason for that is is because, well, they have a slim margin. They need his vote. He actually cast the winning vote for McCarthy to become Speaker of the House. So they have said nothing negative about this guy, even though he's an absolute fraud. They've kind of embraced him. We'll see how long that lasts, especially if an indictment comes down for him. And I'm really thinking it's going to. I mean, Jesus Christ, you can't do the shit he did and not get some kind of ramifications. All right, this next one, long one. This one comes from Deb. Now, we've heard from Deb before, and uh, she says, Like always, I listened to your weekend podcast this morning. The only reason I like Mondays. Regarding your listener, I think his name is Dennis. I, too, have issues with my dad. I have spoken with you about it before multiple times. I agree with a lot of what you said about the Trumplefucks. However, my dad does have some differences. 
First, he was never like this when I was growing up. He raised us to never be racist, always be truthful, and be kind to others. He's an intelligent man regarding anything non-political. When I was young, he was never the way he is now. He was loving, he played with us, and the whole neighborhood ended up in our yard for impromptu games of kickball or softball, led by my dad. He never showed the emotional issues you spoke of. I have three siblings, and I'm the only liberal. The rest of them are Trumplifox. One is rich, one is a Bible Belt born, again, hypocrite, and one has no explanation for his leaning. We're all raised in the same house. Mom leans liberal, too. Our years growing up had nothing political in them, with the exception of Nixon and his resigning. I remember heated discussions about him, Watergate, my mom calling him Tricky Dicky. This is the only time I even remember politics being spoken in our home. Flash forward to Obama being elected and my dad began to change, get mouthy with his political views and his dislike of Obama. I never did find out what the issue with Obama was. Once Trump entered the picture, my dad had changed so much it was frightening. I got in many arguments with him, especially over the past three years. No matter what facts you prove him, he won't believe them. He watches only Fox or OAN. He was once a huge fan of Fauci, even got to meet him during the AIDS crisis. My dad was a hematologist prior to retiring. Now he thinks he's evil. It's crazy how he refuses to see what is right in front of him. He used the value He used to value truth above all. Now he acts like it doesn't matter that Trump has lied more than any other politician in history. You mentioned fear. He has never shown fear for anything. The only thing I see him fearing is old age. He's 84 and cannot do things he used to do, so he's always angry or depressed. But I can't see how that has anything to do with politics. It doesn't have anything to do with politics, but it does have something to do with his attitude. My husband says he's losing his mind, but I know that's not it. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said they are willfully ignorant. Perhaps due to the media he watches, perhaps due to the group he regularly emails. I just wish I could have my dad back to the way he used to be. I used to be so close to him. We talked all the time. Now I have to... Uh, consciously avoid him or at least avoid way too many topics if we talk. I miss him. I blame Trump for most of this division in our country. Our families, all of it, everything changed because of him. The Karens came out of the woodwork and make the service industry damn near impossible to work in. I can't wait for the day they all go crawling back under their rocks they emerge from. Sorry this was so long, but the topic with my dad always hits home. Keep calming me and doing the amazing job you do on your podcast and TikTok. I'll keep listening. You're truly the best part of my mornings. Well, thank you very much, Deb. I appreciate it. Um, Not everybody that is a Trump fan is a narcissistic, pathological sociopath. They're not all like that. But the one thing you can say about all people that are fervent about Donald Trump is they become radicalized. You said your father's not fearful. I, I would question that. I, you know, when I talk to people, most everybody has fears of certain things. Now, at 84 years of age, his perspective on race is much different than me at 62 or somebody at 42. 
And the thing about it is, is um, what people forget is that if you go back to the 60s, even part of the 70s, certainly the 50s, racism was an accepted thing. It was presumed that people of color were second-class citizens. If somebody happened to say the N-word, there was no big deal. Nobody was canceled for it. Some mom might say, don't say that. But it was, it was a much different era. And people were raised up in that area, and that's their core beliefs. Right or wrong, that's what they believe. And because they have those beliefs, and I saw this from a lot of people, the moment Barack Obama became president, they felt threatened. You say there was no fear, but I'm sure he was fearful of Barack Obama being president because he happened to be a black man. It seemed foreign to him. It didn't make any sense. In his mind, the way he was raised, these are second-class citizens. These people aren't smart as white people, so that's a problem. In his mind, he's probably thinking, all oh, those crazy liberals or all those people of color are starting to take over. This is my country. They can't take over my country. It is all about fear. 99% of the people in this country that I talk to are fearful of something. And a lot of times it's about race. I mean, like I said, a lot of these people will say, you know, in a period of time, uh, white people will be the minority. And there are people truly fearful of that, not just the rabid racists. They are fearful of this. They can't look at the big picture. They can't look at the the long haul. They only know what they know. And then when you couple in the fact that they spend their time watching Fox News or OAN, they're getting a very limited view of what's going on. They're getting a lot of information that seems to go along with their narrative, so they suck it in like it's real and it's true. But of course it's not. The facts that you spew to him are absolutely foreign to him. As far as he knows, you made that shit up because everything he watches never tells him that. That's one of the big problems in this country. Donald Trump, the Republican Party, trump the media has radicalized people, you know. <clears throat> they're, they're seemingly normal people. They may be good people their whole life, but there's a lot of people out there that think they've been beaten down by the government, that somebody's always coming after them, that they are the victims. And the moment they see somebody ready to fight for them, they jump on board. And even if these people are, you know, despicable or liars, they, they, they see the bigger picture that they're going to save them for their, uh, their, their, their mistreatment that they've been suffering. So that's largely what it is. It is fear. Almost everybody has certain fears about certain things. It's a, it's a matter of how you handle that fear. As I've told you before, you can be fearful of things, but if you just react to things, you're going to be proved wrong ultimately. And that's what these people are doing. They're acting out of emotion. They're reacting. If people can force themselves to slow everything down, think about what they're doing and make a good choice, consider the long term, things would be much better. I, um, I understand what you're saying. I don't know if there's anything you can do to fix it. It's unfortunate. Uh, you know, who knows? Your father's older. He's elderly. 
We've all had elderly family members. They can get a little, uh, little cantankerous. They can get a little angry. Maybe it's the fear of their end days. I don't know what it is. But it's conceivable that his mind has been affected by the age. Obviously not as much as you think, but it doesn't take much to put us in a different mindset. I wish you the best of luck uh, with your father. It's tough. At least at least you have occasion to talk to him. I, um, I hadn't talked to my father in, 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 in 25 years. And it was weird. You know, I watch all these paranormal and these psychic people on TikTok. I want to tell you the story. This is aside from the emails. Uh, like I say, I, I, I hadn't talked to my father in 25 years. I didn't have the desire because he was just a toxic guy. And when I found out he passed away, I, I found out he passed away in a one-bedroom apartment, sleeping in his reclining chair. So I could imagine in my head what that looked like. I didn't see it. I saw the chair ultimately, but I can imagine in my mind. The other night I had a dream. I don't know how to take dreams. Some people say dead people come to you in dreams, but this was kind of fucking weird. I'm sleeping, and I presume I'm in an old cabin that my family used to have because it seems to be shaped like that. I'm laying on the couch. No big deal. All of a sudden, the door opens on the other side of the room. I look up, and it's my father, and he's carrying a small suitcase. I stand up. I walk toward him. I go, what the fuck are you doing here? He goes, ah, I got a busy day tomorrow. I'm tired. I'm going to go lay down. <laughs> I'm thinking, and I'm just taken aback. Cause then I say to him, aren't you dead? And he looks at me. He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm dead. I'm I'm dead, but I got to go sleep. I got to go lay down. And he goes to the suitcase. He pulls out a blanket. He goes in this reclining chair, oddly enough, that I hadn't seen before. He lays down in a reclining chair, and he pulls the blanket up under his chin. And I'm just flummoxed here. I turn in the dream, take one step, and say, what the fuck? My dad's dead and he's here, but then the door opens again. And I look over and it's my brother, who I'm pretty close to, and he's with two other guys. I don't know who the fuck they are. And immediately I think, oh shit, he's going to see our dead dad laying there. He's going to freak out. So I immediately look over to the suitcase and him, it's gone. No longer there. They're gone. So I say to my brother, I said, dude, I got to tell you something, man. This is fucking crazy. He goes, I'm kind of tired. Why don't we talk tomorrow? I go, no, motherfucker. Well, I need to talk to you now. So we sit on these beds, two twin beds, he on the left, me on the right, which is interesting because it still looks like the old cabin we were in back in the day. But when we grew up, we always shared a room and we had two twin beds. He was always on the left. I was always on the right. And we're sitting across from each other. And we're, I'm, I'm explaining it to him, and he's half asleep, so I don't know that he's even getting it. Then I sense something, and I turn around, and I see my sister, who I haven't talked to a long time because they're Trump fucks. I see her back facing me talking to some other people. She's not even paying attention to me. And I immediately think, ah, oh, i got to tell her this. And just as I reach around to tap her on the shoulder, I wake up. Now, here's the weird part of it. 
here's the weird part of it. The moment I woke up, you would think that I'd say, oh, fuck, that was a crazy dream. That's not what I thought. I wake up and I go, wow, that was so crazy. That was so real. Now I'm dreaming about it. I felt like I really did that. But now I was dreaming about it that it had that much impact on me. It didn't really shake me up, uh, but it was weird. And if that was how my father decided to come back to me, if that paranormal thing is true, I don't, I don't know what the fucking message was. To be perfectly honest with you, my father, when we were young, it was not uncommon. In fact, it was consistent. He would work late or whatever, and he'd always fall asleep on the couch. Him falling asleep, whether we be at home or at my grandparents' house or at a party, always the same thing. But it was weird. <laughs> it was very weird. All right, let's move to the next email. This one comes to me from Carol. And uh, Carol says, I just I just wanted to say I really enjoy your post. Funny thing, you look just like my late brother-in-law, who was a big, big Trump fan and heavy into conspiracy theories. Ugh. But it's amazing, the resemblance. I'm going to tell you something, Carol. That motherfucker better be good looking because there's nothing worse than somebody saying, you look just like this guy. And then they show you a picture and the fucking person is hideous. You really think I look like that guy? I'm kidding. I've been told I look like other people and uh, that's unfortunate for them. <laughs> so after that, I just want to say you are my uh, a favorite of mine on TikTok and thank you. Question, who are your favorites? One of mine is at Neil Ford, F-O-A-R-D. Check them out. Thanks, Carol. My favorites on TikTok. I like Legal Dad. He seems reasonable. I like, uh, um, who else is there? There's a lot of them I watch. I, I watch a lot of TikToks. Um, I like Tom Powell. He's a different kind of guy than what I do, but we're in, kind of in the same vein. He's good. There's some singers, young singers out there that are really good. I don't just watch all political stuff. TikTok is, is fun, and it seems like, you know, I'll see somebody all the time, and then after that, th three or four months go by, I never see them again, and then I latch on to somebody else. That's the one thing that's good about TikTok. There's always somebody different and new, and it's always amazing, some of the talented people out there. All right, the next one comes from Rebecca. She says, hi, Mike, just wanted to thank you for all your hard work on your daily TikToks and especially your daily podcast. I look forward to it every day. Your calm demeanor and positive outlook really help the political outlook we currently find ourselves in. I do have some questions. Well, of course you do. <laughs> I don't quite understand the different caucuses within the House and do both sides have them. Yeah, a caucus is like the Freedom Caucus. These Freedom Caucuses are a group of Trumplefucks or MAGAfucks. There's the Black Caucus, where all members of of, of, of the Black or people of color ethnicity. They're, they're, they're kind of little groups, not really committees, but little groups that band together and have similar interests and desires. Yeah. It's 
I, I don't know that they have any power. It's just a way for people of a like mind or a like situation to come together and work together when it comes to passing bills and that sort of thing. Uh, next, she says, can the Republicans really cause much damage when they begin to investigate the investigators? Can the Dems ignore subpoenas the way the Republicans did? Does anything happen to the 20 that voted against McCarthy if they are indicted? Can the Republicans do much damage? If you watch the media, you get the impression, oh, yeah, they're going to do some shit. No, they really can't do much at all. As far as investigating the investigators, I hope they do. January 6th committee is above reproach. They won't find anything. It'll be like Benghazi or Hillary Trump's emails. They'll find nothing. They'll waste a lot of time and money and in the process accomplish nothing. And all that spinning of wheels will help us beat them in 2024 for the presidential election. So I hope they do fuck up. I hope they do waste time. I hope they do investigations. They aren't going to find anything. It's just all retribution for all that's going on with them. So they can't do much damage. I mean, think about this. They can pass any bill they want. Like, for instance, they just passed a bill where they're going to put a hold on the uh, money and the 87,000 IRS agents that are going to be hired over a period of 10 years in the IRS. They just passed it to stop that in the House. They think they did something. But unfortunately, in, in order for them to really shut down that bill, the original bill where they're hiring 87,000 more people and putting more money into the IRS, it's got to pass the Senate. Democrats have the majority in the Senate. And even if it did pass the Senate, then it would have to go to Joe Biden to sign. They're just going to be spinning their wheels. Nothing will get done. To be perfectly honest with you, um, they can they can not go to subpoenas or go to subpoenas. The Republicans have set that precedent. But here's the thing. Chuck Schumer can do exactly what Mitch McConnell did. All those years where Republicans were passing things in the House, they send it to the Senate. And all Mitch McConnell did, let him stack up on the desk. He didn't even bring them to the floor. He, he didn't even bother to get them voted out. He just stacked them up. And let's be honest, Chuck Schumer can do the same fucking thing and probably will. Now, they aren't going to do much damage. They're going to look foolish. They're going to waste time and they're going to lose the 2024 election. All right, this next one's from Jeff. Boomer here. I appreciate your candor and honesty and how you stand up for what you believe in. Just be the best you. Thank you, Jeff. Well, thank you, Jeff. I appreciate it. I appreciate the opportunity to do this. You know, when I first started on TikTok and doing the podcast, you know, I was doing the same thing, speaking up and talking loud and saying what I think. And I appreciate that opportunity. Not everybody has it because they have somebody to answer to. Fortunately, I don't answer to anybody. I'd probably still do it anyway. I'm getting in trouble. But, but, but here's the thing. You can scream as loud as you want. You can tell people everything you want. But if there aren't listeners, if you don't have a platform, it really does no good. So as much as I speak my mind, the fact that we have as many people on TikTok and in the podcast really makes it worthwhile, makes what I'm trying to do more valuable. So it's as much your uh, 
your doing as it is mine. I can't do what I can do unless I've got people listening. And thankfully, on the podcast and on TikTok, I have that. So both of us working together here, both of us getting the word out, because my goal is to get the word out to as many people as I can, and then those people can get it out to as many people as they can. And next thing you know, we've got a large people knowing the truth, which seems to be a big problem in this country. Nobody knows the fucking truth or all the facts. All right, the next question comes from Gary. Actually, I don't know if it's a question. Well, it is a question. To ask questions and engage about current issues and events. I'm over here on the left coast in Oregon. What has been a continuing frustration for me is the stubbornness that many people have, usually boastful independent Republicans arguing with fence posts about issues and concepts that are just simply wrong. My anxiousness is about why Donald Trump hasn't been indicted for crimes committed on so many levels. I'm losing faith in my country's ability to hold rich, wealthy criminals accountable and to prosecute them and successfully incarcerate them for a proper term. Thanks for reading this and commenting about it. State of Jefferson, Gary. Kind of goes back to what I said. You know, of course, people are frustrated by how long it's going to take, but I'm going to tell you, shit's going to happen. It may not happen as quickly as you like. Donald Trump will get indicted. I don't see any way he doesn't get indicted. And as I've told you before, we only need one indictment. Shit is going to start coming apart at the seams in this year. I think a lot of this happens to happen this year. They don't want to do it in the year leading up to another election. They need to get this happening. It sounds like Georgia's about ready. It sounds like the DOJ's about ready. New York might be a little farther out. The attorney general in New York with her civil suit, that is, um, that is about to happen as well. Uh, as much as you've waited and as much as you've been frustrated, your uh, hopes and dreams will come to pass, I promise you. Uh, I'm guessing within the next two to six months, one way or another. All right, this next one is coming from Russell. I don't know if we've heard from Russia before. Dear Mr. Rational Boomer, please don't call me that. Call me Mike. I, you know, as I've said before, people mistake me for being the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am a Rational Boomer. Rational boomer is what all of us are, whether you're a boomer or not. It's not a title I've bestowed on myself. It's just kind of the name of the of the, the show, if you will. Uh, I am a rational boomer, but I'm not the rational boomer. Nobody's the rational boomer. There's no value in having one guy being the rational boomer. There's no power in that. The only power comes if we've got a lot of rational boomers. So don't call me Mr. Rational Boomer. Just call me Mike. What the fuck? That's my name. Anyway, Russell goes on to say, I'm taking this opportunity tonight to send this email to you to state that I enjoy watching your videos on TikTok. Thank you. I was wondering if you were aware, and I'd like to make you aware, that the Democrats need to start filling the ballot box with opponents to run against the opposition. What I find disturbing is in this last election for a House of Representatives seats, 
We did not have any Democrat run against Republican candidates when I asked the Winnebago County Democratic Party how come we didn't have candidates running in the 6th District. I was told they had no one when I asked the state Democratic Party why we didn't have we didn't have no one. They were told that they could not find anyone when I find what I find disturbing, no one did their damn homework. Democrats are not putting local government and or the House of Representatives. I noticed that they were going to put candidates in a position to run against these crackpots that are down in Washington. What I find disturbing is when I ask these questions, I can never get a straight answer, and it's coming right out of our local county parties. I think it's time to start shaming these people on TikTok and calling them out. I kind of do that. (laughs) I worked religiously this last election to get people into Madison... uh, I think he. I think we got a typo here. Uh, there needed to be, in order to break the uh, supermajority, I wrote out a lot of money out of my checkbook that we could not afford and did, didn't pay bills or buy groceries just to make sure that we could break the super Republican majority. But it's unacceptable that we have to go to our local churches to vote and there is no Democrat on the ticket, and we're stuck having to vote for Republicans we can't stand. I would love to run for this position. I just don't know how or how to fill out the paperwork or how to raise the money. If only somebody would show me the way. I'd be more than glad to run against Glenn Beulah Lardass. Don't know who that is, but I'm guessing you don't like him. I think the guy's an idiot, and I don't like him. He's done nothing to support the working class or the 6th district. Fond du Lac is one of the poorest cities in in his district and has done nothing. I'm probably just babbling on in this email, but I just want you to know that I'm just playing fed up and I just don't know what to do. I want to run for office. It's better than not having anybody run at all, but I just don't know how to do it. Well, people have suggested to me to run for office too, which I won't do because I'd be a horrible candidate. I'm too mouthy. I don't listen to shit. I hate fucking bullshit meetings. And I'm not very diplomatic, frankly. Here's what I would suggest for you to do. Go to the Democratic Party. Tell them you're interested in running. You know, have a brief resume of what it is that you have in your background that might make you a good candidate. But here's the deal. If they have no Democratic candidates... I have a feeling that the Democratic Party in your state would swoop you up. And then at that point, you really don't know how to have to know how to do it or have money. If they're really interested in having a candidate running in a given office, they'll help you with that. I mean, very few candidates come out of their pocket with money. They get support. Now the matter is how you get support. Go to the Democratic Party. Go to the head of the Democratic Party and just say, I'm interested in doing this. What should I do? And you may be surprised. They, Like I say, they may swoop you up and say, God damn, we need you. Let's do this. So that's, that's something to consider. I'm not an expert at this, so I there may be other options, and if anybody out there in the audience has other options, send me an email. I'll put it on the show, and will be helpful to Russell. 
All right, the next one. Who is this coming from? This is coming from Gordon. Gordon's written many times before. So these documents found in Biden's possession sound very generic and non-important, not to mention Biden's team notified the National Archive when they were discovered uh, versus what DT did. The whole year plus DT avoiding the whole subject of having important documents. My issue is it took two years to nail DT on his lies and stealing of important information, important enough for FBI to go in and confiscate, and two months for news regarding Biden's paperwork to become a thing. That was most likely just overlooked, being left in a building, turned over immediately, and they are cooperating with the administration regarding hows and whys. Such a doable or such a double standard in regards to anything DT does, says, or any crimes he commits. It's been that way a long time before he took office and only continues to get worse. Why in the hell are people so scared of this buffoon? I've never ever understood the cult mentality that exists amongst the MAGA following or the press and the way they continue to put him in the forefront of the news. I guess it sells. Yeah. Everybody loves a fucking train wreck, and Donnie is the king of the train wrecks. It's been a while since I emailed, so I thought I would say hi and throw my two cents in here. Uh, I'm sorry, this was Jen. Well, Jen, um, let's just talk briefly about that. It was found in some think tank. It was called Penn Biden Think Tank or Center or something like that. And I don't know if they were moving or whatever, and they found some classified documents in a desk drawer. The moment they were found, they contacted the National Archives, and the National Archives came and got them. Now, the Republicans want to drum this up or gin this up and make it um, as, as comparable to what Donald Trump did. Not comparable at all. Donald Trump purposely stole not 10 documents, but probably 40 boxes of documents, brought them to his home in Mar-a-Lago, said they were his. When he was asked to give them back, he only gave some of them back. When he was asked if there's still more, he said no. And then when they finally searched his place, they found more. So he lied to the FBI. He lied to the American public. He stole these things. To this day, he says he owns them, which is absolutely not true. These two things are not comparable at all. Not at all. It's just Republicans trying to gin this up so they can try to take some heat off of what Donald Trump's going through. It won't work. It's already kind of fading away because there's really not much to argue about here. He did it. Joe Biden never even probably saw these documents when he was vice president. I don't know how they got there. <clears throat> Somebody suggested that maybe some Republican planted them there in order to take the heat off of Donald Trump. Now, that sounds crazy, but this is the trump fox, so it's maybe not that crazy. I have no indication that that happened. But in this world and with these fucking Republicans, almost anything is fucking possible. Next email comes from Denise. Hi, I saw your video on TikTok yesterday about emailing you. I love not only your podcast, but also your TikToks. You really put stuff in perspective, and I love that. I would be happy to be on your podcast. I follow politics closely. Now, it wasn't always the case. I'm a history major, so I tend to see the historical parallels of what is happening today. 
If you think I would be a good fit, just let me know. Thank you, Denise. Well, Denise, you said you were a listener of the podcast. That is the only qualification you need to be a guest on the show. The fact that you're a history major makes it even more interesting. So yes, Denise, I think you would be an excellent candidate. All you need to do is send me an email, say, I'd like to be on the show, and then you and I will work out when it works out timing-wise for you. And next thing you'll know, you'll be on the fucking show. I look forward to it. So reach out to me. Let's set this up. All right, this next one comes from a woman. I assume it's a woman. Her name is Gigi. This is Gigi from Massachusetts. I want to thank you for helping me from jumping off a cliff. I'm glad I helped you there. I'm a 66-year-old retired pastry chef. Well, that's tantalizing. <laughs> the reason it strikes me is uh, I, w- I, was, I was talking to my doctor yesterday. I had a doctor's appointment. Nothing serious, just checkup. And she was talking about all the things that I got to watch out for. And I'm fortunate cholesterol isn't an issue. But there's something called triglycerides. I don't even know what the fuck that is. She says, yours is a little high. It's not too bad. I said, why would it be high? And she said, well, you're probably eating too much red meat or pastries or something like that. And I go, well, I resemble that. (laughs) Yeah, I eat my share of red meat, and I've had a pastry or two over the days. Uh, So as a retired pastry chef, I I, I feel a kinship with you. But now I got my doctor saying, you want to back off that a little bit. She goes on to say, the past seven years have left me despondent. I cannot believe the crap that we have to swallow with this Republican Party. I was told by my family, by the Catholic Church, by society to play by the rules, pay your bills, and don't screw other people. I taught my son these rules. I now feel completely duped. Who the fuck knew there were sets, other sets of rules? Call me naive, but I believed it all as I was taught. Now I sit here wondering, what the hell? I know I'm not alone in my anger and frustration, but it is also maddening to watch our democracy being stepped on and spit on by these fucking MAGA clowns and the weak-ass Republicans who keep letting them get away with this shit. Your podcast does calm me, but it's not enough. Sound like my wife now. (laughs) I, I, I I want justice for these traitors and criminals. I fear without it, we will be lost forever. Keep preaching. You are saving me at least from the cliff. Thank you, Gigi. Uh, Gigi says, I would love to send you a kindness box. I send out kindness boxes filled with homemade goods. My way of giving a little happiness back to the world. Gigi, I just told you my doctor said I can't have pastries. It's going to kill me. Gigi's trying to kill me. No, I'm kidding. Um, I've never done that before. I know some TikTok people have P.O. boxes and people send them stuff. And I'm, I've never really wanted to encourage people sending me stuff. I'm, that's not what I'm doing it for. Let me think about that, Gigi. I'll figure out a way to do it if you really want to do it. Uh, you know, free pastries. Who, who fucking turns that down? Uh, but I'll let you know. I'll, I'll figure something out. All right. This comes from a, a gentleman from the Armed Services. He says, is it true that the fucking Republicans can drive the country over the cliff. 
Uh, I'm glad you brought up Cliff because I want to go back to Gigi here, but not increasing the debt ceiling, debt ceiling, which is some of the deals that the captain idiot McCarthy agreed to. I heard it will have a major effect around the world and drive the current stability in the shitter. Can you please make a TikTok about this very important piece of functionality of our government? Love your show, Sergeant James Goodleaf, USMC. Now, as Gigi said, you stop me from going over the cliff. First thing, Gigi, and first thing, James, you got to back off it a little bit. We've been doing this a long time. There's always been trials and tribulations in our politics. And somehow we survive and somehow things get better ultimately. Just understand that. Don't be so fatalistic about this shit. Don't jump off a cliff. And to the gentleman before that was sending in all his money to try to get his guy voted in, don't do that either. Don't send politicians fucking money. I guarantee you it isn't going to be used the way you want it to be used. So do not send them money. But, you know, sometimes here's the way I look at it. With regards to politics and all the things that are going on in this country, I can do the shows. I can do the TikToks. That's the absolute most I can do. Beyond that, I have no control. So there is no reason to worry or agonize over what I can't do. Half the time, it never comes to pass. So you've wasted all that time being nervous and stressed out and all that shit. So don't worry about that. Just focus on doing what you can do best. Don't worry about if it seems too small. I mean, I have the same thing here. I do what I do, and I have a number of listeners, but it's still small by comparison to a lot of people. But that doesn't stop me from doing it, and it doesn't stop me from being positive. I've told you before, if you've ever been in any kind of competitive thing, you don't walk in and say, oh, I'm going to lose this. We're going to get our ass whipped. You assume you're going to win. Talk loud and proud. Beat them at their own game. Talk louder than they are. Call them out. Do whatever you got to do. And if you don't feel comfortable with that, just support me by listening here, and I'll do it for you. We don't know how things are going to turn out, but I can guarantee you, based on my life history and what I've seen in politics and life, it all gets better. We will get through it. So just relax. Don't, don't get too upset about what's going on out there because it's not that bad. God damn it. I'm just looking at uh, looking at my time here. This is going to be a long ass <laughs> podcast. I'm sorry about that. Tell you what, we'll take a quick break here and we will be right back. On every show, I tell you that if you have questions, comments, or complaints, just reach out to me at rationalboomer at gmail.com. Those emails come directly to me and your input is crucial to this show. The show is called Rational Boomer Podcast, but that's not to suggest that I'm the Rational Boomer. I am not. I am simply a Rational Boomer. All of you are Rational Boomers. Anybody of a like mind is a Rational Boomer. Strength comes in numbers and not through an individual. You have perceptions and insights that may have never occurred to me. This isn't a show about me. This is a show about us and gaining a voice in this country. There's 70 million baby boomers in this country. Yeah, I know the younger folks would prefer to push us aside. Every generation has done that. But we are a formidable force if we can get together and speak in one voice. 
This is why I encourage you to let your friends and family know about the Rational Boomer podcast, not to satisfy my ego, but to give us more power, a stronger voice to help right this ship we call the United States of America. Lastly, I'm offering the opportunity for my listeners to be on the show. Now, it could be two minutes, it could be a half hour, it could be the whole fucking show. I'd much rather have you on the show than somebody pimping a podcast or a book. I want to hear what you think. I want to know what you know. The Rational Boomer Podcast is all about us. Damn, I'm already an hour in and I'm not even finished with the emails. It's a long one. Sorry about that. Next one comes to us from Fred. We know Fred. He's been on the show before. He's been on a couple of shows with Ed and I both. Always good to hear from him. He says, hey, Mike, happy new year to you and Mrs. Rational Boomer and the rest of your family. And like you, I hate when people say, see you next year on New Year's Eve. That is the fucking worst. I want to pull my hair out when they do that. Not original, you fucking doofish. Exactly. My words precisely. He goes on to say, anyway, I just have to say hats off to Tony. The show with him was the best listener show thus far. Yes, even better than the show with you, Ed, and me, LOL. It is very rare for someone who says that they are a cool boomer to actually back it up. But Tony brought the receipts. I'm looking forward to another show with two of you. Be well and keep on keeping on. Fred, P.S. Fuck Marjorie Taylor Greene, Matt Gates, Lauren Boebert, and the rest of the GQP. Fred. Thank you very much. Yeah, the show with Tony was great. He's an interesting character. He's done a lot in his life. He doesn't hesitate to talk, which I appreciate. And he's got some great insights. So thank you, Fred. The ones we've done with you have been pretty damn good, too, especially the ones we've done with you and I and Ed. That's always an interesting show. Uh, I won't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that Tony's uh, show was the best listener show. Not because it wasn't great, because I don't know that I can pick one listener as the best. They're all good, but in different ways, you know? And I like that diversity. I like that difference when we bring people on. That's one of the things that's nice about having a guest on the show. It kind of, you know, kind of pulls the show in different directions. So Tony did an awesome show. He did a great show, but I think all the listeners do wonderful shows. And any of you listeners that haven't been on but want to be on, I guarantee you, you'll do a good show too. So fucking email me for Christ's sake. All right, the next one comes from Lisa from Illinois. What a great show. I loved it. It was good to hear both of your perspectives on the hot political topics. She was talking about the show with Tony. Your podcast is my go-to daily. It keeps me sane. Thanks, Lisa from Illinois. And I got to tell you, that, that comment, that, that compliment is something that means a lot to me. You know, I spent a lot of years on the radio. And when you go on the radio, you have this kind of built-in audience. You go out there, you do what you do, and you talk to the audience. But when you start doing TikToks and you start doing podcasts, you start at zero. And then maybe you get one or two or five or 10 or 20 or 100. But you're still kind of building this and you've got to be able to hang on until such time that you have a bigger audience and fortunately I'm at that point but as I've said before I can say the most brilliant things probably not but I could but if nobody's listening it really doesn't matter it's all for naught so the fact that you listen every day and you say your podcast or my podcast is is your go-to daily that's a great honor 
that's high praise, and I appreciate all of it immensely. All right, the last email. This one comes from Carrie. She says, hello, and thank you for being so rational. Yeah, that's kind of my thing. I'm writing at your request, but mostly so you will have my email should TikTok go away. It's such a relief to hear sanity and validation from you. Carrie, if TikTok should go away, I don't think that's going to happen. And if it does, you've always got the podcast. And I'll just give you a little tip. The same things you hear on TikTok, I put on Facebook and Instagram and YouTube. Okay, so if, if TikTok did go away, I'd still have all those other places. You'd be able to see the very same things, maybe a little different, maybe a little longer. In fact, I'm somebody sent me a, a comment on a post and I'm thinking about how I can do it. I think I can. I just it's going to cause more work and you know my aversion to work. Uh, somebody said that I should put the podcast on YouTube because a lot of people can put it on their TV or whatever. And I thought, yeah, that's a good idea. And I think, how do I do that? Do I do an audio podcast and then do a second podcast? Now, that's going to be a lot more work. Or maybe I do the podcast and videotape it while I'm doing the podcast. But why would that be a thing? Just me sitting here talking into a microphone, looking at papers and stuff? Why, why would anybody want to see that? Why is that a thing? I mean, it's crazy enough that people watch the TikToks. You really want to watch the YouTube stuff and have a hour show of me just sitting there talking? I, You know what? I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it and see how it works out. If people want to see it, fuck it. I'll do it. I don't care. But uh, that was a good suggestion. You know, it's just another platform to get the podcast on. So, yeah, I'll give it a try. I'll see what happens. All right, we're going to get to some stories here. Uh, as we were talking about before, Alan Weisselberg, longtime executive for Donald Trump's business empire. He's a horrible businessman. He gave testimony to help convict uh, Trump organization for tax fraud. He was sentenced Tuesday to five months in jail for dodging taxes on $1.7 million in job perks. See, what he was doing, in lieu of getting payments, he got a beautiful apartment, cars, tuition for his grandkids. And that, you know, that's a way where people try to subvert paying taxes. Now, Weisselberg would have you believe that it was all his doing and Donald Trump knew nothing about it. For whatever reason, Weisselberg still feels uh, very loyal to Donald Trump. Maybe because Donald Trump, all the while he was in court and going on trial, Trump was still paying him. That may have something to do with it. And now he's going to go in for five months. He might get out in 100 days for good behavior. But the reason he got the small amount of time was because he did testify against the Trump organization. And they got 17 convictions on the Trump organization. And they ain't done yet. Now that they got those convictions so easily, now the uh, DA and the Manhattan District, Elvin Bragg, is looking at Donald Trump. And you can almost guarantee that they're going to go after him and probably an indictment. His company was convicted of 17 crimes. 
everything in that con- con- uh, company, Donald Trump had his hands all over. And then they release his taxes, and that just substantiates everything that was found in this situation with the Trump organization. He's going to get an indictment over this. And, and to be perfectly honest with you, I don't think that a Weisselberg was totally honest in the trial because he was trying to make it like Donald Trump had nothing to do with this. Well, that, of course, is a lie. And the other evidence that they showed kind of proved that. So he was lying. Um, theoretically, he could be expanded to 15 years if he's caught lying. I don't think they'll do it in this situation. But uh, once this is all over, it's conceivable he could probably get indicted again for something if there's another charge. Anyway, he was handcuffed and taken into custody moments after the sentence was announced and was expected to be taken to New York City's notorious Rikers Island Jail Complex. Now, usually these guys go to Club Fed or something like that. (laughs) He's only going away for five months, but Rikers Island is tough for a rich Jewish guy who worked for Donald Trump to go to jail with. 75 years old. He's in the latter stages of his life. This may not be a pleasant experience, and I'm happy for that. Now, as part of the plea agreement, Judge Juan Manuel Marchan also ordered Weisselberg to pay nearly $2 million in taxes, penalties, and interest, which he has paid as of January 3rd. Of course he did. He's got all kinds of money. He didn't pay taxes. Additionally, the judge ordered Weisselberg to complete five years of probation after his jail term is finished. So he's going to be 80, 81 years old before he's off probation. Weisselberg faced the prospect of up to 15 years in prison, the maximum punishment for the top grand larceny charge. If he were to have reneged on the deal or if he didn't testify truthfully at the Trump Organization's trial, he is the only person charged in the Manhattan District Attorney's three-year investigation of the Trump uh, Organization and his business practices. Now, Weisselberg testified for three days offering a glimpse into the inner workings of Trump's real estate empire. Weisselberg has worked for Trump's family like 50 years, starting with Donnie's dad, Fred Trump, in 1973 is when he started. And then he started working for Donald Trump in 1986 and helping to expand the company's focus beyond New York City into a global golf and hotel brand. Weisselberg told jurors that he uh, he betrayed the Trump's family's trust by conspiring with a subordinate to hide more than a decade's worth of extras from his income, including a free Manhattan apartment, luxury cars, and his grandchildren's private school tuition. He said they fudged payroll records and issued falsified W-2 forms. Now, a Manhattan jury convicted the Trump organization in December, finding that Weisselberg had been a high managerial agent. He was entrusted to act on behalf of the company and its various entities. Weisselberg's arrangements reduced his own personal income taxes, but also saved the company money because it didn't have to pay him more to cover the cost of perks. Now, Weisselberg would have you believe that he did this all on his own, that Donald Trump didn't know anything about it. Which is interesting because the money he spent on this uh, apartment 
in Manhattan. Donald Trump owned that motherfucker. The cars that he got were bought on Donald Trump's account. Even the school tuition was on checks written by the Trump Organization. So how does the Trump Organization not know this? Well, they do. Weisselberg's just trying to cover his ass. And frankly, he lied, so he should have to spend 15 years. But there's probably more to this story. Donald Trump knew everything that was going on with Weisselberg. He thought it was a, a way to subvert paying taxes. And that's what he did. I've seen this before. I've been in positions before where they say, well, just give you this perk, this perk, this perk, and then you don't have to pay taxes. That's bullshit. If you get a car, if you get a house, you get an apartment or something like that, that is, in fact, income, and you need to let the IRS know that you got that income. Well, Weisselberg didn't do that, and Donald Trump was behind him being able to do this. This is why the Manhattan District is going to be looking strongly at Donald Trump. So we'll see what happens. So the Republicans are in charge of the House of Representatives now, and it will be a shit show. The Republican House members voted Tuesday to create a new committee to investigate the supposed weaponization of the federal government against conservatives. They created this subcommittee underneath the Judiciary Committee to oversee and have oversight over federal investigations. Well, that's an interesting concept. The Select Subcommittee on Weaponizing of the Federal Government will have a broad mandate to look for conspiracies among federal agencies and the private sector to facilitate against American citizens, according to the resolution. The House approved the measure along party lines, 221 Republicans in support and 211 Democrats against. Republicans previously complained of Democrats weaponizing the federal government when the FBI raided President Donald Trump's home in Florida and when Democrats obtained Trump's tax returns. So you see what they're doing here. What they're doing here is they're trying to game the system again, like they tried with the January 6th committee, but failed. And in this case, they will fail too. They want to have some oversight over uh, federal investigations. And uh, one representative, now who was that? Um, I think it was Jim McGovern. Basically, what they want to do is they want to have this oversight against federal investigations so they can look in and disrupt and cover up investigations against themselves. They think they're doing something here. They think they can just form this committee and they can control the FBI, the investigations, and the DOJ. Sorry, Jim. Jim Jordan, who is the chair of the Weaponization Committee, um, he suggests the panel would investigate an array of right-wing grievances from the imagined persecution of parents for popping off at a school board meeting to the social media company Twitter, allegedly censoring conservative views. Jim Jordan said, this is about First Amendment. See, Jim Jordan's not a smart man. He thinks he can create this committee and have oversight over the DOJ and FBI investigations and that sort of thing. And then he says it's about First Amendment. Jim, do you even know what the First Amendment says? Twitter can do whatever they want to censor anybody they want. They were a private company. 
First Amendment is the government telling you not to do this. You can try to make it look like that's what the government was doing with Twitter, but that was not the case at all. And in terms of you wanting to see overs- have oversight over federal investigations, that's not just it's just not going to happen. People have tried this in the past and it's failed miserably. You go to court, it'll be shut down instantly. You'll have this committee that you'll spend a lot of time and spew a lot of rhetoric, but nothing will ever get done. Because see, here's what's going to happen. First of all, for Congress to have oversight over the DOJ or FBI, that's completely against the Constitution. That won't happen. But Jim, think ahead a little bit. Think ahead a little bit. So you've got this cute little committee of a bunch of raving fucking rednecks. And you say, well, we think... (laughs) the FBI and the investigations are illegal. So we're going to send them a subpoena. Okay. (laughs) So you send the subpoena. And we know, Jim, you yourself don't feel like congressional subpoenas are worth a shit. So what's going to happen is the DOJ, knowing that what you're suggesting is illegal and unconstitutional, they're going to say, Jimmy, fuck yourself. And then you're going to get all butthurt, go back to Congress and say, we are going to give a referral to our criminal contempt, just like the January 6th committee did. However, think about this, Jim. You are going to send a referral for contempt of Congress to the DOJ about the DOJ. (laughs) So you're basically saying... Uh, you're telling the DA, DOJ you've, they've got to give themselves an indictment. You think that's going to happen? You think that's going to work? These motherfuckers don't think anything out. You know, really what they're trying to do here, I can't believe they're stupid enough to not understand that this isn't possible, it's not constitutional, but they'll rave and rant and do all this shit. And you know what they'll do with it? They'll fucking fundraise off it. See how strong we are? See what we're doing? We're fighting for you. I mean, hell, these fucking Republican idiots that were voting against uh, Kevin McCarthy, they were fundraising off that. They're sending out emails, we're fighting to keep Kevin McCarthy out and make America great again. Send us money. That's all they do this shit for. It's just all rhetoric. It's all bullshit. It's all thrown out in the ether to try to control the narrative so dumb fucks send them money. Anybody who's fearful about that committee and what it might do, no need to be concerned. It isn't going to do jack shit. It's not legal for them to do it. And you would think, at the very least, members of Congress would know that. But they don't. Or they do, and they just think you're too stupid to know any better, and you'll get upset and all excited. I mean, that's their whole strategy. Make shit up, pull shit out of your ass, and throw it out there just to make people fearful, thinking you can get people to believe you. Well, Jim, you got bigger problems on the horizon. I have a feeling that uh, the DOJ already has a pretty deep investigation of you and your buddies, and those indictments are maybe already set up in blind indictments or whatever. Jim, you're not going to be able to save your life any more than you would have had you accomplished what you wanted by being put on the J6 committee. How does it make sense to put you on the J6 committee, 
which Nancy Pelosi refused to do. How does that make sense when you are one of the people that were involved in it? They want you there because you'll talk loud and long and cause kind of problems and chaos in the investigation. Well, Nancy Pelosi was, of course, smarter than you and said, fuck, no, you're not being on this. Now you got a little bit of power in the House of Representatives and you're going to try to pull this committee off. Sorry, pal. Ain't going to work. It just is not going to work. You're done. By the time you get anything even close to happening, you're probably going to be sitting at your desk with your pants wet, your head in your hands, and indictment sitting in front of you. I'm looking forward to that, especially Jim Jordan. He is the fucking worst of the worst. He's a loudmouth. He gets nothing done. And he's stupid. And this proves he's stupid. So right-wing Republicans push for the creation of the committee as part of the House Rules Package meant to mollify conservatives in exchange for their support for McCarthy as Speaker. So these Trumple fucks wanted this in the rules, and they had to, and McCarthy gave away everything, so he gave them this so they would vote for him. Whether anything will ever be done about it, I don't know. There will be Democrats on the committee should it ever really come to realization, and uh, that will pose some other problems for these crazy Republicans. Because as much as the Republicans probably will have more seats on the committee or the subcommittee, um, the Democrats will be coming out, exposing all the crazy shit they're talking about, and they will be embarrassed. <clears throat> so, there's a, a gentleman uh, named McGovern. I believe he's a Democrat. McGovern suggests the new language presented a conflict of interest, noting that the FBI seized the phone of a House Freedom Caucus chair representative, Scott Perry, <clears throat> one of the McCarthy holdouts last year as part of an investigation related to Trump's efforts to overthrow the 2020 election. Perry said over the weekend that he wouldn't recuse himself from ser serving on the committee. Well, that's interesting because, as we just stated, the FBI took his phone because they had reason to believe he was part of a criminal faction involved in the insurrection. So you're telling me, Perry, Scott Perry, that you want to be on a committee to investigate uh, the investigations by the federal government into yourself. Yeah, that's not going to work. McGovern said this is a committee designed basically to protect those who, quite frankly, are under investigation right now. And he is absolutely right. Representative James Comer of Kentucky made clear the committee's mission partly concerned Trump, suggesting there was a two-tiered system of justice because the FBI raided Mar-a-Lago in order to recover official documents Trump took from the White House, but did not conduct a similar raid after it came out this week The President Joe Biden had kept official documents from the time as pre vice president. We talked about that earlier. Well, of course they didn't search it. They came across it, and they did what they were supposed to do. They turned it over to the National Archives. If anything, it was a mistake of some sort. Far different than Donald Trump literally packing this shit up, 40 boxes, putting it on a plane, taking it to Mar-a-Lago, hiding the shit, giving some back, and then saying, oh, you got them all, lie about it, and have more. We still don't know if he has more. There is no comparison here. 
that's not similar in the least. As much as the Republicans want to rant and rave about it and act like there is, bullshit. Bullshit. It's absolutely amazing to me um, that they're trying to make that comparison. That is a very desperate act. Now, President Biden answered questions Tuesday about Monday's revelation about these classified documents. They were found in a place called uh, the Penn Biden Center, which is like a think tank. It's not like Biden hangs out there or that he took these documents and left them there. Somehow they were there and they need to find out why. And to be perfectly honest with you, the fact that classified documents were there and not worthy with the National Archives, that is concerning, and that needs to be uh, investigated and find out how they ended up there. But again, it's not a comparison. As soon as they realized they were there, they immediately turned them over to the National Archives. Donald Trump purposely stole documents, not only didn't turn them over to the National Archives, lied to the FBI about it. It's it's true. It's truly amazing to me. Biden said, when my lawyers were clearing out my office at the University of Pennsylvania, they set up an office for me, secure office in the Capitol when I ran the four years after being vice president. I was a professor at Penn. They found some documents in a box, you know, locked cabinet or at least a closet, Biden continued. As soon as they did, I realized there were several classified documents in that box, and they did what they should have done. They immediately called the archives, immediately called the archives, and turned them over to the archives. So why would you need a search if he just did what he was supposed to do? And I was, as I was briefed about this discovery and surprised to learn that there are any government records there were taken to that office, but I don't know what's in the documents. My lawyers have not suggested I ask what the documents were. He's not supposed to ask about it. He's not supposed to know. I've turned over the boxes. They've turned over the boxes to the archives and we're cooperating fully, cooperating fully with the review and which I hope will be finished soon and there'll be more detail at that time. Now, of course, Biden has been critical of Donald Trump stealing documents and hiding them and lying about them. Um, in Mar-a-Lago, but again, vastly different. This does have to irritate the Democrats, though. As much as they've been all over Donald Trump, you knew the Republicans would jump all over this, even though there's really nothing to jump all over. But you know they're going to do it. You don't need to give the Republicans any more fuel to work against you. So we'll see what happens with it. Not a big deal. Donald Trump's, on the other hand, fucking huge deal. All right, we're going to be close to wrapping things up here. We've gone a little longer than we normally go, but I need to bring this up. Scandal plague representative George Santos, that fraudulent piece of shit, that Republican from New York, may be about to get hit with more bad news this week. In a new press release flagged by Semaphore, uh, Semaphore reporter Katia Golba the Nassau County Republican Party says it plans to make a major announcement today, I believe, regarding Santos, whom the party described as disgraced. 
The announcement will be made by the NASA GOP Committee Chairman Joseph Cairo and dozens of NASA GOP elected officials. This is coming from the Republicans, remember. They vow that they will deliver the strongest statement yet regarding the NASA GOP's position on Santos. The trouble for Santos began after the New York Times reported that he lied about everything. Everything. Everything from where he worked, where he went to school, uh, the fact that his grandmother was in the Holocaust, uh, the fact that his mom died in 9-11, the fact that he had a charity for animals. Everything he said was a fucking lie. And then you throw in some of the financial issues. Guy making $55,000 a year, absolutely broke, not paying his bills, getting evicted from his home. And then the next year, somehow he's able to donate $700,000 to his campaign. If that doesn't sound fishy, I don't know what the fuck does. So Santos is in trouble. I wouldn't expect Santos to be in his seat for all that long. This may this may go really badly for George Santos sometime pretty soon. Now, the thing that's fucked up about this, despite all this, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy has remained silent on Santos' status within the conference and has given no indication that he believes Santos should resign from his position. He's under like four investigations right now, criminal investigations. But yet Kevin McCarthy says nothing, and I'll explain to you why. Kevin McCarthy just barely, by one vote, won the job as Speaker of the House. One vote. You know whose vote that was? George fucking Santos. They have a slim majority in the House of Representatives. George goes bye-bye. It becomes even slimmer. There's no advantage politically for Kevin McCarthy to speak out against or condemn George Santos. Now, that said, for credibility, for integrity, for decency, he should say something. But clearly, none of those things are important to Kevin McCarthy. It may not matter what Kevin McCarthy says or does, because uh, four investigations, certainly one or two of them, are going to take him down. So I think that's just a matter of time, and then the Republicans are going to have to deal with that, deal with a thinner margin. They'll have to have a special election and take the risk that maybe a Democrat wins. Now, he's probably in a Republican district, but after what happened here and how these people have been fooled, I have to think the people in the district might be a little troubled by Republicans. And maybe, just maybe, that special election will bring us a Democrat and make it even that much tougher for the Republicans in the House of Representatives and Kevin McCarthy. All right. We are going to wrap up the Rational Boomer podcast. I want to thank you very much for taking the time out of your day to listen. I hope you have a great day, and uh, we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.